Hey, everyone. How come you guys turned off the lights on David? <laughs> you could uh, open up to... <laughs> Mario just reminded me, there's a Bible verse that says that God dwells in the dark cloud. It's okay. You're being like God right now. <laughs> um, Bible jokes. Uh, turn to uh, Matthew 8. We're going to be in verses 5 uh, through 10. And just kind of like put your finger there um, or your hand or your bookmark. Can, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Cool. Um. So I wanted to honor uh, Pastor Cynthia. Can we give God glory for her series? Um, man, that was an amazing word that she gave, very vulnerable, um, as Jesse and Belen were teaching us on Friday at the department head meeting. Uh, she definitely made an impression on us, um, and she, she was vulnerable with us. And um, I, owe, I owe a lot to her because my message kind of like was birthed in that like talk with them. And I also want to honor uh, Johnny Blue and Carlos. Uh, last weekend, we we uh, we like we're talking about today, and and you know, you gotta give honor words due. And so I wanted to start off that way. So and I've asked uh, David to kind of like give me some some good tunes in the back. It always helps. Um, okay, let's pray. Let's start with prayer, Father. Thank you, God, for being good. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So, I want to speak to you today about authority. Not the tithe. Uh, so, I want to speak to you today about authority. Uh, my hope is to unpack this truth that we would understand that when we are under authority, we get authority. Let me say that again. I want to unpack this today, that we would understand, that we would receive, that when we position ourselves under authority, we get authority. That when we speak, it should sound a lot like our Father God, who in the beginning said, let there be light. I don't have a lot today, so I'm going to go a little slow, because I really want you to get it, because I feel like... Sometimes we gloss over things very easily, like, oh, yeah, that, that sounded cool, Kevin. That was great. When God said, let there be light, I want you to think about that for a second. There was actually light. So when you speak and you say things or you declare things, it should actually happen. In the parable uh, that Jesus tells about um, the master leaving his servants in charge of the home. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that one. Um, if you're not, let me tell you a little bit about it. There's a parable where Jesus says that a master of a house actually leaves. That's cool because you were saying that we live in his house, right? And, um, and he, he doesn't tell the servants when he's coming back. He just says, you're in charge until I come back. And I feel that sometimes as believers, we get caught up like looking up at the sky, like waiting for Jesus to return as if that's our answer. And that's not our answer. The answer is that he put the authority in you. That parable is us. 
he went, he ascended into heaven, and he said, okay, now you're in charge. And I'm not going to tell you when I'm coming back, but just know that you're in charge. And there are two things that God wants to see when he comes back, the two absolute things in the Bible. He wants to find faith, and he wants to see it through love. If you remember, the disciples are actually in this same position. When Jesus ascends to heaven in the book of Acts in chapter 1, the disciples are all doing this thing. You ever look at a plane? I used to do this thing where I would be like, let's see how far I can see this thing go, right? And like you stare at the sky and you're like, okay, I see it, I see it. I see it gets getting smaller. And then you start to see those like little purple, gray things. I don't know if they're swimming in our eye or if they're just in the air. And then you're like, I think I see it. It's gone. That, that's what the disciples were doing. They're like, I see him. I see him. Dang it. It's a cloudy day. There goes the Lord. But that's not the end of that story. It turns out that there were angels there. And they asked the disciples, they asked the disciples, why are you looking at the sky? Jesus is going to return. But what's crazy that I realized is, I don't know if you get this, is that the angels represent heaven, right? They weren't looking at Jesus. They were looking at the disciples. Where were the disciples looking? They were looking at Jesus right in the sky because they were like, no, our answer our authority, our power, our anointing is going into the sky. But the angels are like, are like, you know, Jesus is going to return. So it would naturally make sense that you would say, okay, Jesus is coming back. I'm going to sit right here. This is where he left. He's going to come back right here. Can you imagine if the apostles had like just chilled there? We would find 11 dry bones in like an area and we would have called it something. Would have been one of the places you tour at when you go to Israel. But that didn't happen. <laughs> there were angels there. Heaven was there. And heaven said, why are you looking at the sky? Did that Jesus not give you authority? And did he not commission you to do something until he comes back? So let's read. In Matthew uh, chapter 8, verse 5 through 10, it talks about the centurion. I'm reading the New King James Version. NIV will be up on the screen for you. So it says, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. And my servant, and my servant, they do this, or I say do this, and he does it. Uh, verse 10. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. So a little bit of a, of a background on the centurion. This was a cool dude. 
Um, this centurion, um, a little bit of history, centurions were from the Roman army. And the Romans weren't too fond of the Israelites, and the Israelites weren't too fond of the Romans that were occupying their land. But this centurion in particular was different. This centurion, um, if you read in, uh, I think it's in Luke, where it talks about the centurion also, it actually says that the centurion sent Jewish elders to speak to, the, to, to Jesus, not that he came. Right, So the Gospels are like different interpretations of how one person may have remembered them, right, anointed by the Holy Spirit. So what I think is happening here is in Matthew, he tells like the shorter version of it. And he says that these Jewish people were like the centurion. They represented the centurion. And so the centurion, this guy in particular, um, was fond of like the Israelites. It's, it, it, it seems like he understood that there was a living God. He actually helped build the Jewish people a synagogue. And it's interesting that he sent Jewish elders to Jesus. And then in, in Luke, it also says, it's cool because um, if I can kind of act this out, Jesus is coming, like I think he just finished preaching um, the, the, the Beatitudes. And he's coming down and he's in Capernaum. And then these Jewish elders come, uh, sent by the centurion, and they're like, hey, the centurion wants uh, you to come and, and pray for his servant. His servant's really sick. And the word that we find later that Jesus was marveled tells me that Jesus was kind of, kind of curious. You know, kind of like, this is interesting. Jewish people coming representing a Roman person, a Gentile, a person that isn't really a child of God. And remember, Jesus was not there to speak to the Gentiles. He was there first for the Israelites. And so Jesus is walking, and the elders come, and they're like, hey, the centurion, uh, he has a servant, and he needs help. He's sick. So you can imagine Jesus' curiosity is kind of, you know, peaked. He's like, okay. And Jesus, in other versions, it says that Jesus actually asked. He said, should I come heal him? And the response was, was no, you're not worthy, right? And then in another version, uh, it actually says, um, or the centurion says that he wasn't worthy of Jesus coming under his roof. But there's in another version, it actually says that the Jewish people tell Jesus, you should really do this thing. Like, you should really do this thing. This guy, like, he built us a synagogue. He loves God. He, like, loves the Israelite people. This centurion is somebody who deserves for you to come and heal his servant. So I can imagine Jesus being like, okay. You, you got to understand like Jesus' position because up until that point, his own people didn't know who he was. But a centurion knew who he was. Amen. A centurion sound, should sound a lot like century. It means a hundred. Centurions weren't necessarily like big like warriors that like fought, although they, they may have. Centurions were actually admired for their thinking and their reasoning. That's why they would put over a hundred men. And then the centurions, um, for example, here we have staff, right? And then we have department heads. So think of the department heads as centurions. So uh, each centurion o oversaw a hundred people. And then the group of centurions, or like the group of department heads, the group of centurions was 80. So there was 80 of them, like always together. And so this one in particular was kind of admired by the Jewish people 
for, for, for just caring for Israel. So I kind of want to read through it again and like point out some things that maybe we missed the first time that we, we, that we read it. So let's read through again. Now when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him. I want you to see there that the centurion identified Jesus as an authority figure right there off the bat. And the message that the centurion said was, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. The centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority. Go to verse 10. It says, when Jesus heard it, he marveled. And then he said, assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith. Sometimes we skip over a couple of words, but if you read the verse and you, you read what Jesus said, he said, I have not found that means, or it implies, that Jesus was looking for something. Jesus was looking for his people to recognize who he was, or he was looking for somebody to express faith. He was looking for somebody to say, you are the Lamb of God. His own people missed it. But it took a person of authority he easily identified Jesus as a person of authority. I don't know, I just think that that's so good. Like little stuff like that to me is like, is amazing. Is that like the Lord said like, I f haven't found, uh, I haven't found faith like this. That's Jesus. And he turns around and tells the people that are with him what he just experienced. That's called the praise report. That's a testimony. I think Jesus wants us to give him something to testify about. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished. The word there is marveled. That word is only used twice uh, uh, in the Bible with Jesus. The first time was when, when, he, was, when he was frustrated. Because in his own town, they didn't believe him. And it's, the Bible says that he marveled at their lack of faith. But here, he marvels at this man's great faith. Somehow, the centurion saying, I am a man of authority, is, is what he's saying there is, Jesus, I'm a man of authority. And I can tell that you are too. And when he recognized that, Jesus said, that's faith. I don't know how Jesus got there from authority to faith, but there's belief there. There's trust there. There's an I know who to go to. And then Jesus testified about this man's life. Like to me, that's huge. Because he wasn't even an Israelite. He was a Gentile. Are you guys smiling? <laughs> Can you imagine Jesus' smile in that moment? When he hears that? When they say, when, the, you know, the Jewish elders go through their whole spiel. You know, okay, hold on, the centurion came 
And I don't know, maybe they had a scroll and they're like, hold on, hold on, Jesus. The centurion saith, right? I'm not going to act that whole thing out. <laughs> the centurion saith, he is not worthy of you to cometh under his houseth. <laughs> Just saith the nameth, or the wordeth, and he will be healed. And he was healeth. <laughs> and he could walketh. And Jesus was marveling and testifying and saying, Wow! <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, he must have been hyped, like when the Lakers won, like, the championship a while ago, you know? Or when the Patriots won last year. We won't talk about this year. When they came back from a 24 deficit. 24, 28. 28. They were down by 28 points, and they came back. And I was in my living room, and I was like, are you kidding me right now? Did we just put Matty Ice on ice? He's the quarterback for the Falcons, if you didn't know. I can imagine Jesus walking, and he runs across these guys, these elders, and he's like, oh, great, here come the Pharisees again. What do you guys want now? And they're like, no, 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 we're not here to cast any stones or, you know, put anybody in prison or, you know. We're actually here representing a centurion, and he needs your help. And then he's like, say what? And they deliver a message, and Jesus says, that's faith. And he does it, and the man was healed. That's what happens when we recognize authority. That's what happens when we get under authority. That's what happens when we respect authority. I'm going to, uh, three things that authority gives you if you're taking notes. Natalie, can you put up verse 8? Uh, authority gives you three things, or it gives you more things, but I'm going to talk about three things. The first thing that authority gives you is authority. Being under authority gives you authority to grow towards a standard. Because if you're under authority, you're saying, I'm coming underneath this because this is greater than what I am. Right? If I could put it this way, maybe this will help you understand it. When Kobe was on the Lakers, he had Mamba mentality. Okay, if he was going to play with Kobe, you had to come under Mamba mentality. If not, he was either elbowing you in the face, like he did to Sasha Vujicic, which is not very nice. And, or he was like just punching things and I don't, maybe that's a bad example. <laughs> but the point is, is that when you come under somebody's authority, is like you're saying, hey, this is greater than I am. And, and I'm, I'm going to serve this and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to grow towards this. At least in the kingdom with Jesus, that's how he does it. He comes and he says, hey, I'm the authority. And Jesus came and he lived and he set a standard. Not for us to uphold, but for us to grow towards. That's what happens when you come under the authority of Jesus is that you see the standard that he set and you're like, okay, I know that I've been saved. 
I know that he is with me. He is all around me. I live in his house. Yet there remains a standard that I have to grow towards. And when you submit to that, you get the authority to grow towards that standard. But some of us skip over that season of our lives. We go straight to being friends. And actually, Jesus says, I no longer call you slaves. I call you friends. But some of us skip over the slave part. I know that that's not cool to say, and that's not popular, and that's not like, you know, bro, no, Jesus is my Savior, and I'm not a slave. I'm a, I'm a friend of God. And this is true, but you also have to obey him. And you actually learn something in the season of being a servant, a slave, that you can't pick up being a friend. I would actually say if you don't learn something in the season of being a slave and a servant, you really can't be a friend. We can show up and open the fridge, but I think we'll do it with more confidence when we submit to the authority placed above us. I like this quote uh, by Chris Valentin. He said, you learn obedience before you learn friendship. That's why getting baptized in water isn't about a feeling or faith. It's, I believe in Jesus, so I'm going to go get baptized in water. And I said I wasn't going to talk about this, but this is the only plug I'll do. The reason you tithe is not because you feel like it. It's because he's your Lord. This message today, I'm calling it Lord Commander. If you know, you know. It's why we worship when we don't feel like it. What Jesse was saying, we can't have a relationship for you. You might not feel like worshiping. That's not my personality, Kevin. That's not, that's not me. I don't, I don't like to do this. What is this? I don't get on my knees. I don't, what is that? I, I like to sit over here and just, you know, I worship internally. That's great. But that's your comfort zone. And if Jesus is your authority, then you got to push out of that. And that only comes through obedience. And all of those things that I mentioned, like getting baptized, uh, tithing, worshiping, um, like praying, all of those things about authority, it's not an understanding or a feeling, like I said. It's actually a position. The second thing that authority gives you is it gives you your identity. I'm sorry, Natalie, you put verse 8 up. Um, so, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. That's the centurion coming under authority and getting authority. So now put up verse 9. Verse 9 says, For I myself am a man under authority. When the centurion saw Jesus, the centurion saw his identity. He said, oh, wow, Jesus is a person of authority. I am a person of authority. When we see Jesus, we should see a person of authority, and we should conclude, therefore, I am a person of authority. But if we skip over the slave-servant part, we're not going to get it. You see how it kind of goes together? And the centurion here is calling that out. He's identifying himself 
and at the same time identifying Jesus. When you come under authority and you come under that standard, you, you get identity. The world is so confused, guys. Am I a man or am I a woman? Do I use the women's bathroom or do I use the men's bathroom? I know that that's not, also that's not cool to talk about, but I'm going to talk about it. The world says, you know, you are what you feel and, and, and you have the right to make that decision in your life. And that's true. You do. But if you're a slave to your feelings, I don't think that's real authority. I think real authority is, is, is confidence in knowing who you are. So authority gives you identity. It isn't confusion. Because authority is very clear. This is A, this is B, this is C. This is the standard. But the world's got it kind of confused and they don't know which way to go. And one way it's this way and one way it's, it's, it's this and one way it's that. And sometimes it's, it's, it's my truth, right? That's like the, the buzzword that gets said a lot. Like it's my truth. Well, your truth sounds a lot like your opinion. And who says that you are the sayer of all, of be all, be all, you know? Like a comedian said, why do I got to change up my pronoun game for you? If you know, you know. Authority isn't confusion. It's a standard to grow towards. It brings clarity. Because the centurion was like, I know that if I say go, this person goes. And if I say come, this person comes. And that must have reminded Jesus, must have taken Jesus back to the beginning where Jesus was there at the beginning and the Father said, let there be light. And the Bible says that there was light. And I don't think that God makes mistakes. I really don't. So authority gives you identity. And the last one is authority gives you purpose. Can you put up verse 6? Thanks, Nat. Authority gives you purpose. This was the reason for the centurion's purpose or authority. He said, Lord, notice the language there. Lord, my servant lies at home paralyzed, terribly suffering. Authority isn't so that you can serve yourself. It's so that you can serve the people around you. Because if you read in Matthew, it says that the centurion came. But if you read in Luke, he actually sent the Jewish people. Because in his heart, he probably didn't want to leave his comrade's side. He was like, I'm going to stay right here by this guy's side. And you guys there... If you can please go speak to Jesus. And being a man of authority, he sends the Jewish people. The centurion, think about it. The centurion only has authority over Roman soldiers. But when you have real authority, they weren't Roman soldiers he was sending. They were Israelites. They were Jewish people. 
When you have authority, you have authority. And nothing can get in the way of that. This is verse 6, right? We did verse, um, uh, don't go there, Natalie, but we did verse 8 was authority gives you authority, right? Submitting to a standard. Verse 9 was authority gives you identity. It's not confusion. And then we went back to verse 6, right? So we're starting at the centurion's conclusion. But how he arrived at this conclusion is in verse 8 and in verse 9. We're just kind of seeing it backwards, right? Does that make sense? So Centurion understood, look, my authority is for serving people. And when Jesus saw that, Jesus didn't even meet the man. He heard the words from other people and he said, this is faith. Natalie, can you put up verse 9? Nine? 9 back up. For I myself am a man under authority. So, I can identify with this guy. I really can. Because when I get up here, whether it's a staff meeting or a department head meeting or just like a prayer or today and I'm preaching... I get up here with confidence and boldness because I'm a man under authority. I have a pastor. I have pastors. And when they allow me to come up here, I'm coming underneath their authority as representatives of Jesus Christ. I'm coming under their authority so I can come up here and I'm confident because I know that, that I'm under them. I know that, that I'm honoring them. And when we submit to one another, we create many beautiful things. Because when Jesus, or when the Father said, let there be light, he stood back and he was like, like when you eat a good rack of ribs, right? Mm, that is good. <laughs> Jesus looked at what he, uh, the Father looked at what he had created and said, that is good. Authority creates beauty. Some of you guys need to smile a little more. <laughs> Authority creates beauty. I think what we learn being under authority is, is a mindset, you know. Uh, we learned that, in, in, especially in the Lord, we learned that our opinions, our opinions don't really matter, you know. But it's learning that that frees you up to be a friend. And friends have opinions. And friends can speak into your life. And friends can have relationship and conversations, conversation. It says that Abraham was with God and Abraham actually talked to the Lord about what he was about to do to Sodom and Gomorrah, right? And he actually said, Lord, what if there are seven righteous people there, five righteous and four righteous? And, and he actually talked God out of doing something. Moses told, told the Lord, uh-uh, you think you can give me like a blessing and we'll leave out of here without you? No, no, Lord, you crazy. We are not leaving without your presence. And I bet Moses sat down and he was like, I am not moving, Lord. 
until you move with us. But they had understood. They had understood in the season of being a slave, of being a servant, that surrender is not defeat, it's victory. So when you become a friend, it's like graduation day, right? You, you go from being a rookie to a sophomore to a veteran. And I think that's when, when you speak, that's when you realize, okay, this is, what, this, is, this, is, this is why the Lord said not to do this or he said to do this. I, I understand it now. See, authority, when you're going through the servant and slave season, your opinion doesn't matter. Whether you agree with the authority or not, your opinion is, is wind. You guys okay? I was talking to the Lord about, about this message, and I felt him ask me, uh, you know, what does a room full of people with authority look like? And, and I kept feeling, um, I kept feeling the word surrender for some reason. And I said, Lord, I feel like the answer is surrender, but I feel like that's defeat. And it doesn't really, it doesn't really add up how a room full of people with authority, how, how that looks like surrender, because I feel like that's defeat. And he told me, he's like, you're looking at surrender wrong. Surrender isn't defeat, it's victory. And then he said this. He said, if you surrender your will to, if you surrender your will, you can have mine. I don't know if you heard this, but Jesus said, or the Lord, I felt like the Lord tell me, if you surrender your will, you can have mine. So when you speak, it should sound like, let there be light. And it should sound like, Lord, my servant, my friend is sick, God. Lord, we need this. Talking to, um, talking to Carlos, we were saying, if we don't get this thing about authority, we can kiss all the healing and the miracles and all that stuff goodbye. It's true. Because then we won't think that we have authority. We won't think that we have the right to say, Lord, let there be light. We heal the sick. We raise the dead. We cast out demons because we're under authority. That's just authority. We haven't even talked about power. I don't know when that one's coming, but it's coming. Let me read this to you, and this is basically my conclusion. Authority is righteousness. It's, it's the right standing with God. Not just to stand, but to speak how he spoke. To make bold declarations. It's to say things from heaven and see the angels that are looking at us now. Because Hebrews says that angels are ministering servants of the Lord. But 
they're waiting and looking at us to say something that sounds a lot like the Father so that they can go do it. So authority is righteousness, and it's, it's righteousness speaking the laws of heaven, if I could say it that way. It's speaking the laws of heaven on earth because the laws of earth are... They're, they're so much smaller, so, so much weaker than the laws of heaven. I don't know if you, if you realize this, but I think this was God's plan all along. Because he put Adam and Eve in the garden, right? And they were perfect, right? And when they ate of the fruit, it says that they knew sin. So that, so, so that they wouldn't be stuck in that condition forever, he took them out of the garden. Because if, if he would have left them there and they eat of the tree of life, they would have been stuck forever in their condition. So instead, the Lord escorts them out. But what's the point? The point was that they were meant to live in the garden forever. Where was the garden? On earth. I think sometimes we get caught up with the whole like, we need Jesus to come back and that's the answer. And, and, and yes, the Lord is coming back. But the answer isn't, Jesus, please come back and save me. It's not, I'm a victim. It's, I am a person of authority. And when I say go... It means go. Authority isn't like an extension of God. Authority is God. Sometimes we look at God and we think like, oh, he's speaking with authority. No, he's speaking as authority. And sometimes we live like that. We think, okay, right now I take authority in Jesus' name. Well, why'd you put it down in the first place? We have authority in Jesus' name to stand in the rough areas of life, to stand in darkness and say, no, this is not right. But you only learn that by being a servant and by being a slave. Now, I know that that's not cool, <laughs> but it's truth. I um I don't know how this like fits into it, but um what is it? It's three thirty. Took a little over thirty minutes. Um God is good, amen. Amen. So sometimes we have to look for the Lord's voice. Like I said, it brings clarity and identity. It doesn't always come like in like a deep booming voice, you know, son. It could, I mean, it could. Uh, it could come in dreams, could, could see a billboard driving down the street. You could see the good ear blimp and feel the Holy Spirit and be like, it's going to be a good ear. <laughs> it's happened to me. <laughs> but for me, he speaks to me through dreams a lot. And this morning I had a dream, a dream that I actually had been asking him for. And I'm going to try not to cry. <laughs> huh? Yeah. Um, but last night, uh, this morning, I had a dream with my grandma, and I had been asking the Lord for a dream with her for a while. And, um, and so the dream 
began, and her and I were sitting at a table, eating pollo loco, eating some chicken. Man, that woman could eat. Uh, she's the reason why She's the reason why I'm here. Um, and her sister, uh, Carlos and Dini's mom, is the reason why we're here. And in the dream, <laughs> what am I, uh, I think my first message that I ever preached was called Hunger. And if you know, I've had like issues with like eating out, right? Because I've been like ang having anxiety and like panic and stuff. And I was eating with her. And she said, que tiene hambre, mijo? She's like, you're hungry, huh? I was like, yeah, heck yeah, I'm hungry. I just kept opening that styrofoam box of pollo loco chicken and just like taking the chicken out and eating it. And she was eating too because, man, that woman can eat. But remember, we were given authority with a purpose. That purpose is to serve people. In that dream, I'm eating with her, and as I understood, the next day she was to go to Guatemala, and it had, like, rained, and my parents were in the dream, but then they went off to go do something. And I look up, and I see a TV. And I don't mean to be all, like, doomsday or anything like that, but in the TV, I see that a big earthquake hit northern California on the east side. I don't know what that means. Um, I remember a while ago, I had like a dream about like France and the whole thing in France happened. And it's just been like repeating. And I've been telling the Lord, like, Lord, I don't want to fall behind. If this happens again, I know that we are to pray. So right now, I want us to actually exercise what I talked about today. Whether, whether it's going to happen or it's not going to happen, let's just say, Lord, maybe this was you saying, hey, just pray. Just pray. And maybe it's not to prevent anything bad, but let's bless. Because that's the power of life and death are in our tongue. We're the ones speaking. So let's pray for our state. And then I want us to make bold declarations over our lives. Actually, repeat after me, because we have authority in Jesus' name. So repeat after me. Father, I release the authority and the presence that I carry. So now lift your voice, church, and make declarations. Thank you for listening to the Grace and Love podcast. We pray that you are filled and encouraged by today's message. For more information about Grace and Love, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Grace Love Church. Make sure you check us out again next week. Thanks again, and God bless you.